Christian Woodman C, and we are on the Human Z Jitsu Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 100. Yeah, we finally made it, everyone. Episode 100 of the Human Z Jitsu Podcast. And guys, this one has been a long time in the making. Uh, it features Christian Woodman C. Guys, you guys know how much I respect this guy. Every single time we're talking about seminars or quality instruction or great instructionals or great just courses, sorry. I'm always talking about Christian. I like you would swear I was paid or something to just say this man's awesome every second of every day. <laughs> but no guys, we have a really good discussion about his te- the way he teaches people, his sort of journey coming up, how he progressed really quickly throughout certain belts and stayed at some a bit uh, a bit longer than others. And guys, we also talk about uh, his uh, his instructionals which are lit from BJJ Fanatics and Jiu-Jitsu X. I highly recommend his Omoplata instructional. It's one of my favorites my omoplatas are fucking way better now thanks to him and they'll all be in the description below and guys if you're really keen and you really want to support christian and learn learn a lot of him i highly recommend uh subscribing to logic beach j online which will be in the description below he breaks down all his techniques he teaches concepts drills ways to train intelligently i know lots of people are always like oh train with intention but i think this he actually explains how to train with intention very well but guys <laughs> enough about that all those will be in the description as well as his instagram at christian woodman c guys uh enjoy episode 100 adios so welcome to the show christian how's it going buddy doing great um appreciate you having me on glad mm-hmm. that you're awake glad that i'm awake while we're doing this but uh <laughs> yeah for anyone who doesn't know me and him we had a bit of a back and forth like oh i thought you meant 5 a.m i thought you meant 5 p.m time zones are fucking annoying that's the biggest thing whenever i'm talking to someone about the podcast like oh yeah time zones are fucking annoying uh, but guys for anyone who doesn't know christian i uh, just a little known fact i think he's gonna set the world record for the most fucking seminars taught in the shortest amount of time this, like christian you're like a fucking workhorse with the seminars like it's it's insane have you ever contacted guinness book of world records about it because i think i think he'd be a shoe in yeah i don't think they'll care i can ask him but um i think since the the corona pandemic started so i think i'm gonna say um just around april the end of april or, or may i've taught over 130 seminars in that time frame alone so um it is uh it has been quite the crazy past year and a half but um it's been a lot of seminars i just taught like three or four this past week and i'll teach uh two tomorrow the next two days and i teach yeah so i, I teach like anywhere from like one to four seminars a week right now it's absolutely outrageous. god damn i do I, you would definitely be a shoo-in for that fucking world record because man come on they have stupid shit like fucking oh yeah playing a guitar with a python or uh the world's fattest man or putting a fucking uh, clothes pins in your fucking face. Meanwhile, they wouldn't have something impressive and noteworthy like teaching jujitsu seminars. Like, come on, come yeah, on. So I'll go on their website and see if I can contact them and if they're interested in giving me the world record holder of most seminars taught. I'll yeah, and not only that, you'd have to wear there. You'd have to wear a gi that said that at all times. So, like you know, those books have the the gaudy colors, like the the weird orange. You'd have to wear the orange gi with world record holder on the back or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> seminar goat or something, you know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, fucking seminar goat. Okay, so Christian, uh, one thing I'm curious about each of my guests is how you first got into jiu-jitsu Anyway, like how did you first start it and? Like, how, how, what did you initially struggle with in your early days training? 
Um, so originally, my brother at the time was training Muay Thai at this uh, gym here in Philadelphia, and they were starting a jiu-jitsu program, and he, you know, suggested that I try it. He said that I would probably enjoy it. Um, I wasn't initially very, very interested, so I went, I tried out a class, and after the class, I was really, really into it, and then basically did nothing but train. Um, I trained full-time excessively, you know, for many, many years from that point forward, Um competed like two weeks after my first class just started to get really involved uh, i was absolutely awful at it but um i just was really, really into it so yeah i mean struggles for me initially for a long time until i started to get better jujitsu was just because i was so small everybody was so much bigger than me um being in an area that didn't have like uh, more modern jujitsu was very traditional um but back then jujitsu wasn't what it is now so there was no BJJ fanatics. There wasn't, you know, a lot of jujitsu that was being shared on the internet. It was, it was more relaxed and laid back. So you had to basically be more um, knowledgeable to be able to get better jujitsu. So once I realized that, that's when I left Philadelphia and started training at different places and eventually find my way to Atos and, you know, starting that aspect of my life. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a different time back then. So it was it was a lot harder then to grow than it is now. Mm. And guys, speaking of BJJ fanatics, sh- shameless plug, <laughs> you guys, I have everything listed in the description because Christian is some fucking man, not only for the seminars, the instructionals, he has some good shit out there. Like for BJJ fanatics, I highly recommend his omoplata instructional. Like, I didn't know shit about omoplatas. Like, I knew a little, but I only started getting good at them after I, I say good with, with air quotes because come on. <laughs> I'm a blue belt for fuck's sake. But like, um, you know, you go and not to mention, explains shit really well, gives you a good bit of information without fucking being all wordy like a lot of instructionals. And uh, also, guys, I swear to God, I'll shut up about this in a minute. Also, has a course in Jiu Jitsu X. It's the Vortex Black Take instructional, right? Yep. Vortex and of death. Vortex of Death. Nice. And also, last but not least, he has a new on- online Jiu Jitsu membership thing called uh, Logic BGJ Online, which I'm a proud member of, and which is fucking. Like, honestly, I say this to everyone. If you you seriously don't care about getting better at jiu-jitsu, if you're not a part of this fucking membership thing, I say this to anyone who will listen. And guys, if you're confused, you know, one thing I'd really recommend on it is this backstep entry to the knee bar and then the toe hold if they're defending the knee bar. I use that all the fucking time. So much so that people get annoyed when I toe hold them. <laughs> nah, I, uh, but anyway, guys, tangent over. If you want anything Christian related, they're all in the description below. Like literally, you'd have to be a fool not to get any of that. Now, <laughs> tangent over, I swear. Uh, but Christian, like I think, like um, to get back to that, I think the best compliment you could ever receive is you're annoying to roll with. <laughs> yeah. Like your guard, your guard is annoying. Your guard passing is annoying. Those footlocks are annoying. I'm like, ah, good. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, did. Uh, speaking of which, what would you say is the best compliment you've ever received about your jujitsu from someone? Uh, I don't know. Um, usually I try to aim for, and um, when it's successful, someone says it, but I, I, I enjoy being told that my jiu-jitsu is methodical, you know? So um, I enjoy people saying that when I'm competing or they see me compete, that it looks like I'm not trying very hard or it looks like I'm making it look easy. And and I tell them, like, obviously that's, it takes a lot of hard work to kind of be able to have that kind of control and like understanding tempo. So um, for me, I think that's the biggest compliment I could receive because I think it's the most accurate thing that I'm looking to accomplish. Mm. And that's another thing that I've sort of gleaned from tra- from uh, I, for anyone who doesn't know, since I talk about it all the fucking time, I once attended a seminar with Christian, best seminar I ever went to, fucking Delaheva shit was fucking awesome, still used to this day. 
to, to this day, it was two years ago. <laughs> to this day. But it was a setting intentions for classes. Like I set intentions for every class. Like the other day was, oh, I'm going to get... I'm going to hit five different people with this fucking style of footlock. Or I'm going to hit the Dars five times and these different people from this setup. I think, you know, you'll drive yourself crazy with whether or not you're advancing or getting better or not. If you don't set intentions, I say it to everyone now, since I've, I've noticed notable improvements from doing that. Like, when did you first start getting the idea of like, maybe I should set intentions. It might actually do me some good. For me, it, it happened uh, like really early in my jiu-jitsu training career, I guess you could call it, because um, since I was so small, I had more difficulty grasping information or being able to like relate to like my instructors. Um, and because I was training so much and I was focusing so much on competing, I didn't really um, get the adequate amount of time in like learning. It was basically just like, hey, just train, just train, just train. Mm. So. Um, I found that the best way for me to take responsibility in my growth was to, to break things down for myself and kind of like be my own instructor to a degree. And then um, I, I would lose so much that I'd get upset. So I try to figure out different ways of holding myself accountable and how to get better and take away the excuse of being small. So that's how I came up with understanding like how to structure my goals and how to structure what my intentions are for training every training session. And then I made it a habit and then it became consistent. And then obviously when I started teaching, it's just something that I shared with people that I did that I'd noticed a significant difference. So, I mean, I've been doing it now for, yeah, I mean, close to like, let's say 12 years I've been training like that. So it's made a huge mm. difference. Yeah, that, that's one thing people complain about or like, oh, it's doing that every single class. Like sometimes I just want to go in and chill. I'm like, dude, you got to make it fucking habitual. Like you're saying, it became a habit. So like, yeah. Go sometimes go. You got to make going to training a habit because so many people just like oh I'll go in once a week. Like not not the shit on people who just do it casually. Like not shit on anyone. Oh I'll go in once a week. I won't try very hard. If I get submitted by twenty people who aren't who are lower belt to me, I don't give a shit. I'm like uh, you know, it's definitely like um. I mean, because I have a lot of students too personally. So like I have students that are mostly hobbyists, and there's obviously competitors too. But um, what I find is that when we communicate, we have conversation that. I have plenty of people that don't want to dive that deeply into jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, that's perfectly fine. And I say, but, you know, don't have the expectations and the goals that are t attached to the people that do want to do mm. that. Also, a lot of times you have a hobbyist that, you know, trains two or three times a week and maybe doesn't um, prepare as much mentally, physically before class to have their intentions, to have their goals. And they see someone else getting promoted or having some type of accomplishments or success on the mat, and they're like, oh, I, that's what I want too. And it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of discrepancy there. And there's a reason why you don't have that. Most, um, most people like want their cake and then eat it too. You know, mm. um, I have plenty of hobbyists that even though they're hobbyists, that when we communicate like that, they all basically step up and create goals and understand that like, Hey, like I'm only going to train three or four times this week, but I want to make the best of it. Even though I want to have fun. I don't want to compete. And it's like, cool. What are we trying to accomplish? Because for me, the standard is growth. And if you're not growing, I'm not interested in being like the type of leader for that person. So I don't really have anybody that's that's following my lead that's not thinking that way. And I just create mm. a one from them where I say, hey, maybe you should go and train somewhere else. Mm. I see. It's just one thing in general, like no matter who you are, if whatever belt level you are, one thing I actually, I can't fucking stand is just people who don't put in the work. Like no matter who you are, if you're fucking day one white belts train 10 years or whatever even if you don't even if you don't even do jiu-jitsu you do a different sport if you put the work in in your fucking little aspect of whatever you're doing i respect you hundred thousand percent that's admirable but one thing i cannot fucking stand is people who don't put in the work like literally how can you expect 
any results. Like it's like what you're saying, people who are hobbyists who train like twice a week, like nothing wrong with that, but just be realistic. If you want to do that, that's fine. But like, oh, wanting to be like on the same caliber of uh, com- someone who trains twice a day, six days a week and competes every fucking weekend, that's not fucking realistic. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like I said, I think it's like you see a lot of people, I would say like more specific examples is you see people like, whether they're top players or bottom uh, or bottom players and they're like, Oh, you know what? Like I'm tired of my guard getting passed. And then it's like, Oh, okay. So like now you're ready to have a more focused goal, but you, you haven't been. So I don't know why you're frustrated. Cause you know, frustration is basically someone having an expectation that was unclear or was unrealistic, you know? So mm. I have plenty of people that will get their guard passed or get swept and they're just smiling because their goal and their communication is very clear that they are not putting that type of work. So they don't have that kind of expectation, you know? So for me, most people, because I experience it so much, is that they, when they're training, if their communication is off, if it's a newer student of mine, or like they they switched academies or something like this, is that um, they they just want to be able to get to like a destination a lot sooner, make shortcuts, you know. And they think that because their frustration is there, they deserve to be there, but it's really not the case, you know. And I'll say, hey, look over there, that guy trains the same amount of times per week as you, but he has a different focal path. And that's why he's as good as he is. And then all of a sudden that usually is impacting enough for them to, to change and stop. But I'm the same as you. I don't, I don't really give anybody the kind of um, investment or respect that like unclearly communicates like that. Like, Hey, like uh, I just want to relax or like they just need to put in the, the, the correct work ethic that attaches to what they're communicating for their goals. If they do that. I'm hundred percent with them. But if they don't, I just let them go do what they want to do. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so Christian, like since we were, we were talking about, we, briefly hit on the sort of topic of a uh, competition what would you say is like your favorite sort of competition rule set like do you have any like well this is like a two-pronged question what's your favorite rule set and your least favorite rule set like uh either to fight under or just to even even just like as a as a viewer like just as like to enjoy jiu-jitsu like what, what's your preference um i mean as a viewer i would say enjoy watching like um like world pro i think mm-hmm. uh having more intense matches, but having shorter time is great, you know, and I like obviously the IBJJF rule system in terms of like, there's specific positions that are awarded points, like guard pass back, whatever it may be. So I like that. I'm not into 10 minutes. Um, I'm not into watching for 10 minutes. I think it's super, mm. I think you can say an for 10 minutes. I'm not even into watching Andre fight Philippe for 25 or whatever minutes. It's just, <laughs> so, you know, um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, the competitor in me. I enjoy I enjoy the aspect of saying like, regardless of what the rule set is, like you have to accept it, adapt to it and just compete. So I, I enjoy all rule systems in terms of that aspect, you know, regardless of what they are. But um, I think now, like in terms of as a viewer, I'm leaning more towards watching Nogi, um, watching things that are more structured around uh, penalty, penalties for not establishing position, you know, and being awarded for, you know, obviously accomplishing something, you know, so um adcc i think in terms of the competition of the super fights i think is one of the best rule sets to have mm-hmm. um basically allows you to still have a strategy be able to be any type of fighter that you want and obviously it's no geek so it kind of like eliminates a lot of things but i mean they're all unique in their own way it's cool to see ebi it's cool to see grappling industries naga whatever it may be is you know so i think some of them were way less and thought out than others but i mean again when you sign up, you just kind of accept those rule sets and you just got to make sure you're doing the right thing. But for me as a competitor, it's the easiest to strategize towards IBJ Jeff. Cause that's basically all that I did. Um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that's the one that I like the most, but, um, 
I really think that you should be like living and dying by the sword. So you should be getting submitted or not, you know, and I don't think EBI really forces that with like a forced position overtime things. It's tough, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the best rule set hasn't really been, um, shown yet. No one's really created it yet, which would be really cool to see like how it evolves and grows. But I think ADCC is like the closest one at this point in time for me in mm-hmm. terms of rule set. I just think a major thing they could do with just any of these rule sets to just automatically make it better since you sort of brought up for a sec call people when they're fucking stalling yeah. if they're just fuck fannying around to run up the timer especially in like uh okay one of the things that addresses this better in my opinion whether or not submission underground they have like five minute match before the overtime now oh five minute match whatever but like they're actually working for the five minutes i've noticed more i know you can stall for the five minutes because only five minutes then do the overtime but from what i've seen i watched submission underground the whole time it's, it's good fucking matches before that goes on no, I agree. I think that if you watch like different sports, um, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not really um, as advanced in like all the sports. But like if you watch like football, like American football, or you watch like American like basketball, they have a shot clock, right? They have a timer, so it's like, hey, you need to act by this time frame, and no one complains, right? So, like I said, I, I think that jujitsu right now hasn't evolved as much in terms of competition rule set, you know, and it's tough. But I mean. Right now, a lot of the penalties or like the the rewards are opinion based, so it's tough for there to be consistency to be on the same page, you know. So, and you see that with, hey, that's that, this was illegal. Hey, this is stalling, or you know, whatever it may be. So, I think if you eliminate those things and you you make them more like a standard, like, hey, okay, cool. So you're in this position now. You've got 25 seconds. If you don't change it, it's we're literally going to reset you standing up or something like that. Mm. But whatever it may be, like I said, I don't know what it is. There's plenty of different examples in other sports that like force that action to happen, but it can still be boring because nobody could be scoring. But I mean, again, I think it then falls back onto like the quality of the competitors that are in there and the rule sets that you have. And some people will shine more than others. But right now in jiu-jitsu, it's like the same 12 dudes fighting each other, you know? So mm-hmm. it's very to watch in my opinion. But I mean, um, I think, like I said, I think it's evolving. We're on the right path, but we're just not there yet. Mm. I you know I imagine so, some better uh, what's it rules that will come along for years. But man, I think your idea of making like making people work faster with that is a fucking a, a fucking tournament has to try it out soon. I think if they if like flow grappling or something made like a a better version of who's number one or fight to win, but with just those rule sets instead of their ridiculous slams and their stupid stage, like uh, whatever. But you know. That could be very entertaining instead of just oh i got to mount i guess i'll stall for 15 minutes and throw on a half hearted submission every every five yeah i agree and i think like i think even though perhaps they're not they didn't do it the best way that they're trying to advance it and they're trying to think of different ideas that how to make it more entertaining and whatnot but I, you know yeah i mean it's tough like i said i think what you do you're trying to figure out the best, best so it's entertaining but at the same time it's like no matter what you do, it's a competition. There's going to be a disagreement. There's going to be, you know, someone's opinion is in this. They're going to have to do a replay or whatever it may be, and it's tough. But um, at the end of the day, I think that if you're competing, you know, and it's being watched, like, you know, the focal point is entertainment, you know. But, I mean, even in MMA, when you watch UFC, someone can just lollygag in there and do nothing for 15 minutes. And not not as that that's good or bad, but, I mean, that guy should just get less fights. He's not an entertaining fighter. You know, it was a bad matchup, whatever it may be. But in jiu-jitsu, I'd just be like, oh, like, you know. It, the, jiu-jitsu just is too accepting of, like, letting anybody compete, which is great, having that opportunity. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, it should be, like, um, if you're going to have elite compete, it should be elite against uh, against elite and a, an elite rule set rather than just kind of like, hey, this is it. Do whatever you want, you know. So mm-hmm. I mean, it'll probably take another couple of years to figure it out. 
Mm. I don't know. I'm I, the only way is up. I'm optimistic that shit will improve in if, in, if, in the next few years. I'm optimistic. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I think it has to. You know, and once we do that, it'll be a huge change for people. Mm. Now, on a less optimistic note, <laughs> is there anything in the BGJ community, whether it's on like what you see on social media and these Facebook groups, just you know, from your experiences as a whole, anything in the BGJ community that you don't like and you change if and you would change if you could? I mean, there's a lot of things, but I think like they're for me to say it to be egotistical, you know, like I don't think I don't think that anybody should be able to teach. I think it should be reserved for certain people. I think it's a very important role, especially what you're seeing now with like sexual harassment and like uh, people grooming their students, then taking advantage of them, whatever not. I think that, you know, there should be a set standard and some type of way of creating like, hey, like only X, Y, and Z people can can teach, you know, and I think that we get away from that because like the committee and the seriousness of jiu-jitsu is just way too small. And I think a lot of it's built on this like American dream of like, hey, anybody can be a black belt. I think that like, you know, there should be a belt or something, some type of rank that's only acquired by making some type of milestone. And then those people are the only people to be able to teach or something like that, you know? So mm-hmm. it's for me to be able to do my part in the BJ community, being able to um, reach people, being able to uh, to spread the jiu-jitsu community when to the people that are either aware or ignorant, not involved, all they see is the belt. And they're like, oh, okay, that, that guy's a black belt too though. And it's like, yeah, but that's just not how it is. So, I mean, I think that if we remove some of these things, i.e. anybody can be a belt, i.e. anybody can teach, it'll change a lot of things, you know? Um, so I think that if we can make those adjustments in, in jiu-jitsu, I think that the level of jiu-jitsu, the seriousness of jiu-jitsu, and perhaps its future would become a little bit more solidified. But at the same time, it's going to remove a lot of people's uh, goals uh, out of the, the situation because it takes away some guy's random ability to be a jiu-jitsu instructor unless he went and did a certain amount of things, you know? Um, I think that if you look at it like as a university, you know, like mm. you have to go get a degree, you need to go to a legitimate uh, place to get a degree. And that degree doesn't automatically make it um, 100% that you can do that job, but it allows you to then go to a place that could be legitimate that allows you to do it, you know? So anybody can be a doctor. There's plenty of bad doctors, you know, but obviously it's greatly limited because you're mm-hmm. trying to hit a certain level of standard, you know? So mm-hmm. now anybody can teach you. Yeah. You can't just be loosely involved with like medicine and shit for like a few years. Like, oh yeah, you know, I, I fucked around in the pharmacy for a few months. Uh, I guess I'll be a doctor. Yeah, you know, it's nothing, you know, but to be fair, like, you know, I know there are, there, to be fair, that would solve the problem of uh, McDojo's a lot and shit gyms, people who are just garbage at teaching and not to mention just, it would sort out garbage humans who are, even if they're good at teaching, because fuck those guys. Like, since we talked about the sexual harassment thing there. I mean, the thing, too, is I think that naturally what people don't don't understand is that in order for there to be, like, good or great, there also has to be bad. There has to be comparison, right? So it is healthy to have one spot that maybe isn't as good or maybe the instruction is bad, you know, and then you can value something that's better more, you know. But, I mean, I would prefer to not do that in terms of people being preyed on and people being taken advantage of you know i'd rather there be like some type of like hey this is the university and we have like a success rate of 70 percent in terms of our, our instructors compared to this one doing like 90 not like hey ours are getting sexually harassed or taken advantage over you know um so i think it's important i think it'd be a great step in the right direction but again it's it's i think it's way 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 in the future i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon but mm. Again, I don't know what it is there, but like here, like not anybody can just be a teacher. I can't just walk up to a school and say, hey, can I start teaching, you know, and then 
the the leadership role that I would play for for kids. I've got to go to college. I have to get a degree. I've got to apply. You know, and there still are bad teachers, but it it drastically bottlenecks and limits the ability for those teachers to be in that position. They could be bad people. You know, background checks and making sure they're going to universities and whatnot. Mm. I should know about bad teachers. I had a whole bunch of them. It definitely was nothing to do with me. I was perfect. Like that. That's that's complete bullshit. I was nothing to do with this. I never once considered that. <laughs> I think it's really it's really powerful. What you think about from that standpoint too is that if if someone or a committee were to be more clear and establish what it takes to be an instructor or a certain belt rank, it would limit a lot of people being like, oh, you know what? It's my it's my it's not me. It's my instructor, you know. And like you would see that obviously perhaps they're not the best instructor for you, but more mm-hmm. than it leans on the fact that it's your inability to to grasp certain information at this point in time or be a good student, you know. So I mean. Right now, like I said, I, I can draw a circle, a 10-mile circle radius around where I'm living, and there's going to be a lot of different jiu-jitsu schools, a lot of different jiu-jitsu instructors, you know, and I know a decent amount of them. That doesn't mean that I know them as human beings or as individuals. I don't know if they're good or bad, but, you know, other people don't know that either. So it's it's potentially dangerous depending on where you're at and where you're going unless you have that kind of confidence and in, in knowing. But brand-new people signing up don't know that. They don't know, hey, is this person supposed to be accredited? Is there a background check? So – I think naturally it's the responsibility of the BJJ community to hold that standard on itself rather than from the outside in. Mm. See, one of the things you brought up there is like, oh yeah, this, uh, like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not good at jiu-jitsu because my, my, my coach isn't good at explaining stuff. Well, I'm not great at explaining stuff, but like, uh, what's it? If you, like some people, like you got to really have the, f- what's it? Um, what's the fucking thing? Um, <laughs> I sort of had a blank there, but if you don't have the fucking know-how to think maybe this isn't the place for me and I should try somewhere else, but you know, you could just you could you could just be in a fucking mental block, like, oh yeah, this is just how you learn jiu-jitsu. Someone just says, Oh yeah, this is a move, just do it. I'm not gonna go over any of the fucking nuances or transitions, just eh, just do it. You know, fuck it, who cares? Just like it's just like, you know, going to school, whether it's grade school, whether it's university, whatever it may be. And like, you know, again, you may have someone who's a professor who's leading a course in teaching and you just don't mesh well with how they teach because you learn differently, but and you do that research before you go to that college and you pay that kind of money, right? Before you go to the university, mm-hmm. like the program I want to go to is for, is for art, you know, like, do they have a great art program? Yes. Okay. Well, like the, the odds are there then the most likely if you're struggling there that yes, there's a possibility that it's them, but it's more than likely easier to see that the, the big possibility is you because of that accreditation, understanding the success of that program. So if they've got one of the best programs in the country and then you go there and you go like, oh, this is shit, I would say, ah, than likely it's probably you it's possible but it's more than likely you also. it's entirely possible the way you said it's probably shit there was really funny <laughs> that's why i'm laughing <laughs> uh, but it's like hearing chewy say fuck i'm like i <laughs> uh, fucking love that guy awesome man oh, oh like what i was saying there like um with the jiu-jitsu community thing what we'd get rid of but for me it's just facebook groups somebody like that's the reason i'm off facebook not because well because facebook's a shithole it's a cesspool a lot of these jiu-jitsu facebook groups are fucking garbage now it's like uh i'm doing this this and that i'm not getting my next stripe or belt oh my god so uh, or i'm doing this this and that and i'm losing at tournaments or uh here's a stupid meme about uh uh fucking white belts being stupid i'm like oh god can we have something new and refreshing please it's just a fucking circle jerk at this point all these fucking groups I agree. It's not, but again, like you're saying, you know, it's um, not that I. It's just my opinion, you know. But like a decent amount of the community you're talking about, like you know, that's that's a large, large percentage of the community. It's ninety-seven percent, you know. Again, like 
most people are blue belts. There's obviously purples, browns, and blacks that are out there, but you know, people naturally think a certain way. They're they're all being taught techniques, they're not being taught concepts or understanding like positioning and tempo and whatnot. So I mean, it's they're being built that way to think that way, to communicate that way. And again, that's because of like their their how they're being led. So I mean, it is unfortunate. It's it's awful. You know, I, I get notifications about some posts on BGA Fanatics that someone's talking and I'm just like, man, like what I'm about to say, this person just has no idea. There's, they may just disregard it, you know, but I'll post something on BJ Fanatics too. And so I'll be like, oh, this would never work. And I'm sitting here like, okay, cool, man. Like you're talking about like, yeah, it probably won't. I just, it's not even worth my time, you know? So, I mean, it's mm. it's tough because you're not going to please everybody, but it's um community is definitely in terms of quality, I think on the lower end than it should be. And I hope that it gets better. Mm. Well, if we're talking about criteria and stuff, how about you need to pass a fucking you need to pass like an IQ test if you want to post on one of these fucking jiu-jitsu groups? <laughs> that would be fantastic, you know. Um, but again, I think once they do that, it limits how much money they make, and then that's then it starts going to business. And they, I think, they make a decent amount of money in having the ability to market by letting anybody in there, you know. And that's why that that BJ Finax group is absolutely huge. You know, there's people talking there all day i see somebody who is an awful instructor confidently going in there posting a video and people are like man this is great stuff and i'm like oh they're, they're all garbage you know but i mean there's stuff that's valuable too gordon talks in there you got other guys that are going in there it's, it's a it's got potential but it's just used in a poor way so it's it's mm. uh i'll just say one thing and then i'll move on gordon ryan's comment section everyone knows what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> Yeah, Gordon's a savage, so. <laughs> uh, he's gotten so he's gotten way funnier lately. It's so it's gold. Those, that comment section is golden. Uh, so Christian, like the next segment here is all about questions for coaches. And since man, like uh, I don't think anyone has noticed yet that I think you're a good coach. But just in case anyone has hasn't gleamed that little fact yet, I think you're a good coach. So I'd really love to hear your opinion on this stuff. Of course, let's do it. Like let's just say it's like a. Uh, you have a group of beginners and it's their first day. What's the first sort of technique, concept, or just idea you try and instill in their head to get them sold in this whole jujitsu thing? Yeah, so like I'm not really big into like a specific curriculum, but like for white belts only, I only teach like conceptual positioning. So I don't teach, I don't teach passes. I won't teach a submission. I won't teach a sweep. I'll teach basically understanding how to be in the position that we're working and how to maintain it. So. If we were to be inside control, I would talk about, you know, these are the elements, this is how we do it. And then I would basically stay on that for two, three weeks, uh, finding, fine tuning the details of maintaining that position. And there's a possibility that while in specific sparring that position, that that person may experience or find uh, some type of technique. And they're like, oh, wow, what's this? You know, it's like, oh, that's a Kimura. Oh, that's a guillotine. Oh, that's, that's called mount, you know, whatever it may be. But um, I limit people as much as possible because I strongly believe that in order to, um apply successfully at a consistent rate a technique you first have to be able to control the position and most white belts most blue belts and a decent amount of purple and brown still can't do that consistently at a certain rate so mm. um for white belts i only teach like positional understanding and control for mounts side control uh on the back and then i'll go through a couple different guards so like doing that two three week span we'll do close guard delahiva guard reverse delahiva guard uh, collar sleeve we'll go through all the different guards and talk about basically being able to consistently control those positions and then when they get their blue belt then they get the techniques for that position you know so um i'm really big into in the position stuff and i've had a huge amount of success uh 
teaching at HQ, teaching at Drysdale's in Las Vegas, and having my own, obviously, academy of doing that. And those people grow faster. They go they go further faster, and their jiu-jitsu is better than people that have been training for probably two to three times as long as them. So um, I don't know if it's the answer, but it's definitely better than just teaching someone techniques when they have no idea what the position is yet. Mm. Now, that's good. And plus, I imagine that will fix the problem of people being too fucking submission hungry. Because I noticed that the second anyone gets mount or side control, they just want to submit you straight away. They don't even – either it's, – it's like a too fucking – it's like a, it's just two ends of the spectrum. It's nothing ever in the middle. It's like they either want to submit you ASAP or they don't even want to submit you at all. And they'll just hold you there for 10 fucking minutes like a like a boring fucking grappler or something. But like I even noticed this year at night I was rolling. I, your man passed my guard, put me to side control. I'm like, OK, fine. I know I'm in side control, but he'll only keep it for two seconds trying to submit me. And lo and behold, the second he locked, locked on a loppy base of that choke and he tried to roll onto his back to finish it. I'm like, OK, cool. I'm in mount. I know you nearly put me to sleep because it turned into not so bad based on that choke after that, but I'm in mount now, so yeah, you should, you should, probably should have tried to hold me there for a second. Yeah, and I think that's what's tough because again, like, so like at my gym, not only do I communicate like what we're working on, I'll even structure the specific training and I'll tell them their goals while they're training and I'll tell them their goals while they're drilling. So this way, I tell them different ways of thinking and my opinion on how they should think in those positions, you know, so. We'll have days where we're again focusing on controlling a position and days where we're funneling from that controlling position to a finish or a transition, whatever it may be. But um, it's tough because everybody has different goals and, and different body size and different desires. But I tell people, regardless of their belt rank, what, what their goals are, that if they don't have consistency first, they shouldn't be trying to do something yet. So if someone's like, hey, I can't keep my I can't stop my card, my guard from being passed and my answer is trying to sweep or trying to submit, I'll say cool, but you know, I think your jiu-jitsu is awful and that's perfectly fine with me. It's fine with you, you know, so um, I just don't really want to do. <laughs> Man, do you ever consider being a comedian? You have a really good deadpan delivery. You're like, what's that guy? Fucking Leslie Nielsen, is it? From the fucking scary movies, uh, Naked Gun. He had the best deadpan delivery. No, I mean, like I said, this is just how I, I, I communicate this way exactly with my students regards to their belt rank, you know, and it, it, it's a constant, um, it's a constant, like, daily thing where people are they need to be reminded of what we're doing you know and like i'll have really really good purple brown belts even some of my black belts been like you know what this is my goal and like i think i made a mistake and then i we, we talk about it out loud but like hey well what are you trying to do what's going on and then we make adjustments then we go so i mean no one's going to be perfectly make mistakes but uh, the consistency is to me is very important like i said i mean if if I'm leading and someone is following, they can just obviously go somewhere else in terms of if the the, the opinion that I have is like not like helping them with the goals. But I mean, it, let people know this all the time because they're like, oh, I just want to stay here. Like, hey, like teach me an escape. Or like, hey, should I do a submission from here? And I'm like, that's exactly how I deliver it. Most of the time, this is when I'm teaching seminars and people are paying for me to tell them that. So I'll just mm -hmm. do it every day because I think it's important, you know, but I think I have something to fall back on with that. And I'll be like, what kind of jiu-jitsu do you want? And then once they realize what they want, I say, well, does that make sense? Then they say no. And then I say, okay, well, then it goes out the window. So it's over. Oh, man, you you had like, uh, you weren't so deadpan when you were doing a seminar at Argaf. I get, you were like super duper enthusiastic. So like, was that an off day or something when you're super duper enthusiastic? No, I mean, the energy is the always there, but there's it just depends on the room and how people, how people um, digest the information and how they how they learn, you know, sometimes like, I'll be somewhere and I'll be teaching like something from Delahiva and someone will be like, well, why would I want to be here? And I'll be like, well, cause you're on your side and create momentum, you know, like, yeah, but when I'm here, I'm like, okay, cool. But what do you need to do to do that sweep? Like I gotta get back on my side. I'll say, cool. So why are we, why are we flat to begin with then? And then all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, 
it just depends on the room. Like I said, I think jujitsu is evolving. I think people are getting better as learners and people are getting better as, as grasping information. So if I need to be blunt, I will be, but I mean, it, the, the purpose of like teaching something is making sure everybody gets better and delivering that information as accurately as possible. So, um, sometimes the, the energy is there and there's not that brashness, but I mean, sometimes I'm just like, Hey, like someone be like, Hey, I just, I'll just do this instead. And I'll say, cool, no problem. Then why are we having this conversation? You know? So, um, it's just not as harsh as much anymore because people are doing a lot better with learning. Mm. Well, dude, that's just another thing. Just in general, the communication of you is fucking amazing. Like not, it's not just people in a uh, jujitsu that are bad at communicating or coaches in general, people in general are just shit at communicating, getting the point across. Like uh, you're just saying, Oh yeah, this is what I want to do. This is how you do it. Shit like that. Like, but dude, like I've been to gyms where like, it's not even that, like sometimes it's, the, where the communication is so fucking bad i've been to gyms where they're bad at articulating because you know I, I travel around a bit where they're bad at articulating the technique or they're bad at saying where people should improve on or they're just bad at explaining stuff or even if it's not jujitsu stuff everything else they're just shit at fucking articulating themselves like man why are you why do you even run a gym how are you even in a leadership position when you can't fucking talk properly like come well, on we're going back to that whole thing about like uh, who should be allowed to teach um, you know, like maybe anybody can have a club or something, but like in terms of teaching and being able to promote people or, or being accredited and have people being able to compete with to be in a certain environment or no, but I mean, and that's again, like that's how it is everywhere. You know, like you're going to have universities, you're going to have your colleges, you're going to have your schools where the standard is lower and that standard is being taught. So everybody's going to be, um, uh, like a, it, they're going to become like whatever their environment is. So, I mean, if that's the, that's the standard and lovely environment, then more than likely a majority of people are going to be at that level, you know, and that's just what it is. And that's how you see clashes because people have different standards as they go and it'll change from place to place. But I, I yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think it should be a lot. Mm. I don't think it's, it takes some time. Mm. Or, or Christian, another question I have here is do you have a, like this is more for newer people, do you have any specific uh, requirements for someone to get a blue belt off you like do you have a set sort of thing for them to know is it competition based or is it just person to person that you sort of take into account so for me i've got like two different types of students you have competitors and hobbyists um so for me regardless of their competitor or hobbyist i have for white to blue i have x amount of concepts that they need to know not be able to apply but know so if they come up uh, in terms of in conversation during training or during during teaching and i say like okay cool so like what are we looking to accomplish here those are those things that they should be able to reiterate you know again because they have less experience they're not able to apply them you know but they at least know they exist the information is there um for for competitors their belt ranks are based off of their their accomplishments and their success in competition and for hobbyists it's just based off of meeting that standard um uh, for all of them, again, the, there's another like standard of they have to communicate their goals and then I have to be able to hold them accountable for it. So if Jimmy says like, hey, I really want to work on my guard, I'm going to be understanding of how to not get passed in this position and I want to be able to go and compete and do well and I want to compete at this year's Master Worlds, I'll make sure that we, we check every single one of those boxes and when he has and the standards have met, I'll say like, hey, you're ready for your blue belt. Do you want to get promoted? And he says, yes, he gets promoted. And if he doesn't, then you wait a little bit longer until it changes. Um, but I don't hold my own personal goals over theirs. So mm. once they do something in white, blue, purple, or brown, I let them do that first. And then once they've accomplished it, and they've accomplished the standard of that the next belt rank, then that's when they get promoted. It's super easy, but it changes from white to blue, blue to purple, purple to brown, brown to black. 
the in terms of the concepts they know being able to apply them apply them to their game apply them to like outside of their game and being able to teach so um really fast Mm. And that's sorry to reiterate the communication point, guys. I swear to God, I'll shut up about the communication point in a minute. So many gyms wouldn't even have the conversation about oh what they expect from you to earn a, earn a belt. They just they either just wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't answer you if you asked them. Or lots of people are in a position where they don't even feel like they could go up to their coach and ask what do I need to do? What box do I need to check for you to consider me good enough for the next belts? You know, there's plenty of people like I I was asked on Instagram a few times like. Like I put up a poll a few times, like, do you feel like you could talk to your instructor about like what you need to do to get a belt off him? About like 75 to 80 percent of people, like I don't have a big audience by any means, said no. Like, what does that tell you? I, re- I re- like I like obviously you shouldn't go up to someone and say, give me my purple belts. Like, you're not going to get anywhere if you say give me because give me never gets. But like, um, what's it called? Um, if you can't even have the conversation of because I think it's a very reasonable question. What do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish for you to consider me good enough to be a purple belt or, or whatever belt? Like, come on, that's a, that's a very good question. And it's not accusatory or demanding in any way. Again, like I think, again, what you're what what we're experiencing with those types of people, it's very traditional, right? Traditional mm. talk about it. But if you look at more evolved subjects in life, i.e., you know, um, being on a, a different sport team or being at a workplace it's very healthy to desire a raise and they communicate that you want a raise and you want to work for it and what does it take to get it you know so mm. um i think it's very i think it's very natural um i myself have experienced trying to communicate with my instructors and been like hey like i really want my next belt like what do i need to do and i've been reprimanded for it um but i've also been on the other side of the fact of now people ask me like hey i want my purple belt like what do i need to do and i go like oh, okay cool here you go so i mean I think it's I think it's our duty as a leader to be able to communicate as best as we can with the people that we're leading and everybody does that differently you know and some people can just go about it and some people need to have more confirmation validation some people need to ask more bluntly to figure it out but I mean I don't think it's wrong at all I think it's more healthy you know mm-hmm. me as an editor I was going to be a black belt world champion so I was like well, what do I need to do next and I got my purple belt I wanted my brown belt and I said well what are I going to do now you know so I mean when someone tells you like, hey, yeah, go win worlds, it makes it very simple. Like, if you go win worlds, I'll promote you. And if you don't, then stop asking for it, you know. But if you're reprimanded for trying to articulate your desires and, and what you want to do, I mean, it becomes a very dangerous, I think, toxic type of environment. I just, I I'd be, I don't support that and I would never do it at my academy because I don't think it works. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, uh, like uh, I'll, I'll, I'll finish this point on, on this and then I'll get on to another thing. But like, uh. If you think about it, like you're paying, like you're paying every month to train at this place for someone to impart wisdom and knowledge upon you about jiu-jitsu. Like you're paying for someone not to answer your questions about jiu-jitsu. Like that's a bit, that's a bit fucked in my opinion. Like there's no reason you shouldn't be able to have a conversation. No, I agree. And I think again, what, what happens though, is that I think there's a, a large amount of people that don't know if they should or shouldn't. And then they ask other people like, Hey, perhaps like, I don't see anybody else asking, or, you know, like I asked someone, they said, Hey, don't ask. It's just, it's a product of their environment. Again, you know, like it's going to majority of jujitsu academies and most of them are traditional and you can't talk about belt promotions. That doesn't mean that you should or shouldn't. It just means that if you're okay with that, then continue to do it. But a lot of these people, when they come and start training, they're like kids, you know, they're in terms of like their, their experience and their knowledge, their children. So they're being molded. So they're being forcefully molded into this is how we do things here you know and i mean yeah if you drink that kool-aid it's going to be potentially dangerous 
if you think, think about it from the other's perspective, I do the same thing with people. And some people probably disagree with how I do it. And even though we're on the same page and you agree, you think that's a positive thing. So maybe somebody else may be like, no, that's that's against jujitsu. It's not traditional. We shouldn't do that. So they they do the opposite, you know? So mm. think anything's right or wrong, you just try to look at what works and what doesn't work. And most people will tell you that while they can't communicate with their instructor about promotions, that they're unhappy, but then they continue to do it anyway. And mm. that's why those people are pushing uh, Oh my God, some people are against open, honest, and direct communication. It's great. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I can't even put into words how fucking stupid that is. Uh, but like I said, but it's it's tough. A lot of a lot of traditional jiu-jitsu, A lot of people are like, "This is the way that it is. Do what I tell you to do." And it's, I mean, yeah, you're a black belt. I guess I'll listen to you. And it's like, yeah, that's dangerous. But when you're when you're a white belt, you don't know. You don't know better. You know. Mm. Ah, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Christian, what, like, let's just say it's a typical class, like, uh, say, intermediate or advanced. Which one of these three things would you put the most time into if it's a, just a typical class? Would it be drilling, rolling, or positional sparring? Which one of them would take up the most amount of time on just a, just a normal day? For for advanced class? Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be specific sparring and regular rounds. Um, I would obviously, depending on how long, how long we're keeping that consistency for, I would kind of like uh, flip and flop them with which one was more than the other. And I would like move it around a little bit. I'd structure a little bit differently, but... For me, um, I do I do drilling, specific sparring with structured sparring and regular rounds in every single class, regardless of whether it's advanced, fundamentals, white belts, or black belts. And then obviously, depending on what we're focusing on and how people are growing, that's when I'll shift those things and I'll give more structure or less or more time or less, whatever it may be. But I think all three of those elements are very, very, very important. And I don't think you should take one away or double one and then remove another one. So I think that everybody should drill, but it should be structured. I think everybody should do specific sparring. It should be structured. And I think the training should have communication with what your goal should be for training. Because if you don't do all three, you're just losing out on growing to a certain point that you could have during that time frame. So I do all three every single class regardless. Nice. Great answer, man. So Christian, like uh, another thing there, like since you run a fucking awesome gym, great ass facility, and like everyone I've talked to that trains there thinks it's fucking awesome. Haven't heard a single complaint because no complaints i guess <laughs> perfect track record from what i've looked into but man uh what would you say like do you have any advice for future gym owners or coaches just in general like any pitfalls you fell into that they, they could hopefully avoid so like uh anything like that um i mean as a business i think it's important to kind of like um although that we may be higher belts or black belts that doesn't mean that we are knowledgeable and have the black belt knowledge and other shapes of business you know i think that's the one thing that's I myself try to always check and make sure that I'm not just egotistically saying, hey, this is what's best, you know? So I try to find people that are black belts and their expertise for topics of marketing, advertising, um, how we should do certain things. And I kind of take lead on that because although I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, I'm not a black belt in making a million dollars. So um, I think that's the most important aspect that I would like give people in terms of if they're business academy owners, you know, and um, other than that, not that I've personally experienced from one side, but I have from the other, you know, I think it's really important to make sure that you have the right leadership, even as a leader yourself. So the affiliation you're with and who you're choosing to be your professor or whatever you, you want to call it, you know, so, um, I think that's, that's crucial too, because a lot of people, even though they're on their own, um, they're not being led anymore. And that has a lot of potential of, you know, stunning other people's growths. And it's, I think it's your absolute minimum to make sure that everybody in your environment is is growing and they're happy and sometimes it takes to someone else to remind you of how to do that so you can 
you can stay on the stay on the course, but um, I think I think it's to have people around you that will check you would be the most important aspect. Mm. Oh, dude! Like uh, since you, you were talking about the business thing there, like because uh, like you know I heard a great quote off you one time to to quote the man I'm talking to right now. <laughs> uh, lots of black belts can't just acknowledge that they're white belts in business. I think that's a really good really good point because you know these very same people who think oh I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu I can run a business a jiu-jitsu gym as a business very effectively. They don't. They don't want to consult anyone to talk to about how to run a business more effectively. These very same people would have no trouble, say they wanted people at their gym to be better at judo or wrestling, getting a judo black belt in, or a fucking good ass wrestler. So you don't mind consulting people in this manner, but you do mind doing it in this manner. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, like you have. I think that when you open your own academy, you have the luxury of being able to do it however you want to, whether you do it a way, the wrong way, the right way, a way that works, a way that doesn't work. You know. So I mean. I think a lot of it's ego, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, we don't want certain people to be teaching here. We want to keep it like this. We want to do that. I want to teach it this way. This is the structure. But I mean, you have that ability, you know, and it's interesting to see how people are more open in certain topics than others with that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, 100%, a lot of people, they come up under somebody and they think that they know business because that person did business. So they think that naturally, usually in my experience, they go like, okay, I know how to do this correctly. And um, that's what keeps them away from being able to reach out to other people with expertise, you know? So um, it, do I wish it was different? Yes. But is it? Unfortunately, it's not. It's just how it is right now. Mm, I know. Oh, so Christian, one more question about the coaching angle thing. What would yeah. you say is the most important value you've instilled in your gym environment? Um, I would say the focal point on understanding like concepts and position over techniques. I think like that's like a... Um, like the backbone of our academy, um, of the logic affiliation, you know, understanding that um, and having a higher standard than 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 the than the average uh, academy would. Um, I think my my instructors, I think that my affiliate leaders for their academies, and I think that my students like all understand that and grasp that. And there'll be times where we'll have someone come in and teach techniques, and they'll see that the, there's a difference in value. So I think, to me, right now where the academy is at, the growth and everything else it may be, because we have all different belt ranks too, is that people are really, really focused on trying to dominate and control and position and understand how valuable that is before they do techniques. You know, I think that that then starts to like go out into their lives and they attach to their, their goals and, and how they communicate and their, their career paths. And it makes a huge positive difference. So I think that's probably the best thing right now. Nice. Okay, so guys, we've reached a segment of the podcast I like to call around the specifics, just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So Christian, do I do around the specifics? Yes, let's do it. Nice. What was the first ever gi you ever had? Like, describe it to me in great detail. Oh, man. Um, it was like a, it was like a, um, it was like the Academy's brand. So it was just a plain white incredibly ugly gi that was created with their embroidered stuff on there which was cool but it was like one size too big it didn't fit me um it was also white so it was ugly um yeah i, I was the only gi that i had for a decent amount of time and um i always had basically hand-me-down gis because i didn't even know what gi i could have or what i should have whatever it may be but um i think i didn't have like a, a quality gi for probably like a year and a half um probably until i was like a purple belt like for oh, like, man. <laughs> like a year and a half to get a nice gi. Um, but I just had crappy white or mismatched blue white top geese until it's <laughs> value. So, um, yeah. 
Oh, sickening, man. I had the exact opposite sort of feeling because, like, okay, shortly after I started jiu-jitsu, I got a semi-decent job that paid well and I could still train three to four times a week. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of geese. And, okay, I bought, like, 20 geese when I was still a white belt because, to quote myself, I get, one of these guys is like, Andrew, why do you have so many fucking geese? You're, you've only been trained, like, a year. I'm like, well, if I quit jiu-jitsu now after buying 20 geese, I'd look like a real fucking idiot. Yeah, it's a good commitment. Yeah, I mean, for me... No one that I knew or saw was where ever wore a nice gi. So I didn't even know that they existed. Again, a product of my environment. So like I'm looking around like, oh, this guy's got a raggedy gi. That gi's got raggedy. Like, oh, I, I have the same thing. So, you know, what I didn't I didn't see a show your role for like two, three years. And then I saw a show. I was like, that's a nice gi, you know. So um when I saw that there was nicer gis, then I went out and I started getting them. I mean, um, other than that, like, yeah, I mean, was, I was also I'm not trying to spend money on jujitsu stuff. So um i was just like i just do what i need to do until i can and that was it but it took me like a year and a half to get a nice ski i literally think it was like right before i got my purple belt so it was almost a year and a half exactly till i had like a black nice ski mm. oh man see speaking of show rolls i've only ever seen one in person or two two i've only ever seen two in person only one times because i ran into one of my friends and i was in dublin i ran into him he was on his way to train i wasn't training because i was uh, i was just in dublin to see my family it's like oh dude what's up and he's like oh dude you want to see something cool got to show your old gi he shows it to me in the bag I'm like dude that's fucking sick bro <laughs> I you talk, you should talk and hang out with mike i think he's got a couple of show your old gis um he's got a couple of ap gis too but um and george has a i gave him a dream killer uh ap gis oh. oh dude i'm so fucking sickened those dream killer ones are sexy as fuck try man thank you nah. oh man also oh, christian oh, what would you say is the most embarrassing injury you've ever had would it be a jiu-jitsu injury a non-jiu-jitsu injury for maybe you got shot with a paintball in in the nuts or something like that just <laughs> yeah well just however whatever way you got injured was just so fucking embarrassing um it was probably not too long ago like maybe i don't know like eight or nine months ago um the weather was bad and I literally like, I actually can't be that long ago. So maybe it's like four or five months, but I, um, I was walking outside, I slipped and fell and I hurt my knee and it hurt more than any injury that I ever had in jujitsu. Um, but it wasn't too embarrassing in terms of like it, it hurt. It was just embarrassing that I trained jujitsu and played paintball and actively running around and people trying to hurt me, but yet I fell and slipped on ice and got hurt. So, um, yeah, that was probably the most fun thing that I experienced for a while. <laughs> oh man. i think uh you'd be, you'd be praying for a knee bar or a heel hook at that point because you could just you'd yeah, much just, prefer that yeah literally trying to have people rip my legs off and i'm perfectly fine but ice hurt my leg so mm. oh well did you ice it afterwards no i i didn't know like what to do for a while and then i found it like basically i like tore my meniscus and had some other things wrong with it so it was like it was painful but the pain didn't go away for a, quite a long time. It still was basically there to a degree. Um, but um, yeah, I tried doing a bunch of things and um, until I like started doing physical therapy, nothing helped at all. So it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal, actually. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. On a scale to one to a hundred, how satisfying is it to wrist lock white belts, in your opinion? <laughs> I think doing anything to, to white belts is 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 a hundred uh, for sure. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Like I'm in, I'm into like doing any type of submission that white belts like afterwards, they just go like, you know, and kind of like, really, like, I can't believe that just happened. So whether it's a flashy submission or one that like, they're just literally just touching you and you touch like, and you grab and you wrist lock them. I think it's a good one too. But um, anything on a white belt is 100% satisfying to me. I think white. 
Or dude, once you do something to them and then they just have the fucking the eyes like, what? What the fuck was that? Like uh, on one of my white belted friends there the other day, we were just drilling. We were doing drilling takedown entries and shit. And I was like, uh, in Minari roll to heel hook. And he's like, and in the gi too, because fuck it. He's like, huh? how the fuck do you do that? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, you, you know the know. They're like so shocked, you know, and like I like trying to present that shocking type of feeling as much as I can, you know, so. I'll do something and the white pole will be like, I can't believe that just happened. And I'll say, so. You better believe it, man, because it did. <laughs> That's how bad you are. You let me do that to you. you know? uh, Christian, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? Uh, man, I don't even know. Probably go back to like samurai times and, and try to be a samurai or fight a samurai or something or. Something that's more unique, something that's probably abroad, going somewhere else in the world. So going back to the times of like the 300 or going back to samurai times or maybe like if I was staying in America, going back to like the wild, wild west where like things were just more just crazy and cutthroat. Because um, right now it's very boring. It's very awkward. Um, but uh, yeah, anything that was just kind of like out of control, if you did something stupid, someone just killed you, pushed you, kicked you down a well or something, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> Nothing too crazy, nothing too far well, back. You wouldn't, you wouldn't actually be, you wouldn't actually die from getting kicked down the well. In every episode of Lassie, your man got saved when you got kicked down yeah. the well. Yeah, something like that, you know. So just something that's drastic. I like the fact that it's like I don't like this guy gave me an attitude, so I shot him or something. I was like, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> he looked at me funny, so I put him in a John. I swear, dude, did the John Wayne sweep to him? Exactly. And it's like, great, oh, yeah. great sweep, by the way. I love it. <laughs> great one. Yeah. Been looking into a bit more. Uh, so, uh, lapels, yay or nay? Yay, for sure. Yay. Nice. What's your favorite sort of um, the lapel guard configuration at the moment? I'm loving uh, Anubis guard and Squid guard. Oh, man, there's just so many. Sometimes I'm doing one and I don't know if it's a specific one or if it's just a variation of one. And it's just, there's too many. There's Mantis and Anubis and, and Worm and Delaware. There's just uh, all these Russian snipers or Slovakian, whatever it's called. So, I mean, it's just too many names. But I mean, I like just the traditional worm and then just obviously making it more complex with how they, they base out where I'm putting a lapel and how I change my angle. So I'm more of just a traditional worm guy, I guess you could say. But um, anything with a lapel wrapped around the leg is is okay with me. Mm. Oh, man, this next question, I already know you have an answer to it because I witnessed it personally. So if you created a guard, no matter what uh, configuration of legs, arms and sleeves, what would you call it? And I know the answer to this one already. Oh, man, now, now I'm trying to think what I would say. <laughs> well, what's what is it? What were the parameters again, regardless of what? Regardless of like the, the leg configuration, the sleeves and the grips, literally whatever you call it, whatever you want. Like I like Gandalf guard. <laughs> I fucking knew it. That's the one you showed me, the fucking yeah. Lasso Della X. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were saying like if I were to invent one like brand new right now, it would be. But I like Gandalf guard. I like the, the name behind it. I like what it instills and I like the value behind it. But Gandalf guard for sure. And I also like that I had some hand in naming the tiny sweep you do. The, the trebuchet sweep because it's like it's like a catapult yeah. but way bigger and way better trebuchet yeah, yeah. no it's nice i think it's yeah, i i maybe you can create a gandalf list of different names of all the different sweeps and approaches and transitions and we can make a dvd out of it or something like that but nice. gandalf, exactly. uh this is gandalf the gray guard this is gandalf the white guard this yeah, is saruman can, sweep you can have different you have different levels to it right so Oh, um, uh, the Fro the Frodo footlock because those hobbits have weird knobbly feet. 
That's an yeah. I'm actually I'm good at coming up with names sometimes if you give me uh, if you give me uh, I'll give you, yeah I'll give you some royalties behind it at the beginning. I'll write a list of shit that I mean, like literally just come up with the name and we'll make a fucking stupid sweep or a foot lock afterwards. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah, have right. you seen most of these DVDs, man? I, I, I'm a connoisseur. I have about a hundred fucking courses on BGF fanatics. I look over them because I love gleaming information for a bit of a jujitsu holic, but like lots of them are fucking filler. Like yeah. lots of these, not to name any names, but like uh, <clears throat> a lot of high level individuals when they put out DVDs, I'm like, he has never once fucking done that in a match. Like, yeah. I, that's why I appreciate when people are like, oh, if you want to see me catch this, look at me in the finals of fucking Worlds of 2017 or something like that. So I can be like, oh, yeah, here's the move he showed. Here's him doing it. No, it works. And I think that's what separates, like, you know, guys like Craig, Gordon, Lachlan, Andre, because, like, these guys are not just – I mean, Andre has a very big platform, too, and he teaches a lot of things, but, like, you can you, – it would be incredibly challenging to question someone who says like, Hey, so this is what I teach. This is what I do, but this is my ability to teach other people to do what I do. And here's my success rate in all three of those aspects, you know? So, um, like I said, a lot of people are teaching jujitsu that they do in the academy on people that are not nearly as good as them. They're probably lower, lower belt ranks, you know, or even like getting maybe the same belt rank, but they're not nearly as good. So, but most people want that kind of information. Hey, I'm a blue belt. How do I beat up white belts? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Here's a stupid sweep that's going to work once every 25 times, you know? But I mean, yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fillers that are in there, you know? But someone just sent me a technique today for a new BJ. My grandma could film for BJ Fanatics right now. So I mean, Yeah, like, dude. Some of those fucking courses, they're, they, I think they should be, like, some of them are astronomical. Some of them are $65 or $77. Some of them are filmed like fucking garbage and have terrible ass audio or shaky cam. I bought this one, I bought this one recently. It was garbage. What they're, what they're doing now, which is great. It's actually very smart in terms of BJ Fanatics. So I understand it greatly as a business is that they'll allow anybody to put their stuff up there because they're not, they're not getting paid. You know what I'm saying? So like if I said to you like, hey, can I film something? You're like, yeah, sure, no problem. You'd be like, hey, I'll give you 50% of anything that you sell. So it's like they're not hurting anything. But the, the downside of that is that there's probably a not a very not a very big, but there's a small community that sees that there's no quality control and anybody and anybody can film and put stuff up there. But you got a lot of dudes that are still going around bragging about like, oh yeah, I filmed for BJ Fanatics. And it's like one, you're no offense, you're no one. You haven't accomplished anything competitor <laughs> or an accomplished instructor. And you're not getting paid by BJ Fanatics. You're you're basically paying to be on BJ Fanatics because you're filming, editing, and then giving them content to basically sell. And the only way that you're going to make money is if people buy that. But no one's going to buy it unless they know you, and no one knows you. So literally, these guys at most are selling 15 copies for over to you. It's it's absolutely not true. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, like guys, if I put out my fucking dipshit guard course out there, no joke, I actually have a thing called dipshit guard, my bastard grip and all that. Real, real thing. No one's going to buy it. I doubt even my fucking mom would buy it. I'm yeah. not going to make any money off it. Because <laughs> no one knows me. It's that thing, like, and then you see it's in the bio on Instagram or they're, they're making a post and they're like, yeah, this is my latest instructional for BJJ fanatics or like, or, or they take a picture of them at a table signing a contract that isn't even for BJJ fanatics. It's just a nondescript piece of paper. Yeah. Look at me. I'm getting shit done. I'm a go-getter. Someone suck my dick. It's well, no, but I think it's like, I think it's, I think it's an awesome ability that if you have that opportunity and you can do something with it, I think it's great. But again, like I said, I mean, it's not, it's not usually used that way. You're not seeing it that way. Um, there's, there's nobody that like, 
I don't think in my history of existence of understanding BJ fanatics that they've had someone that you that they blew up and like, hey, look at this. This instructional is doing great, blah, 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 whatever it may be. So um, you're not seeing that, you know, you're just seeing random dudes who are awful at jujitsu saying like, check out this guard I invented. And it's like, okay, cool. And <laughs> if someone buys it, they're just going to be like, well, it either doesn't work or it does to certain, but there's a reason why you're having the guys that are communicating at a very high level, great instructors, successful instructors that are able to also compete or show John Donaher show that his students can compete with the information that, that do well. And everybody else is not, but they just want to be able to say that they're on the same platform as those guys, you know? Yeah. No one ever fucking got successful off BGF fanatics. They were successful. And then they went to BGF fanatics. Some people are trying to skip steps. So like, you know, maybe some people should just cool it down a little. Yeah, uh, I agree. But mm. yeah, that's going to happen. I, you know, uh, sure, man. People people love skipping steps and uh, trying to have the, achieve, the appearance of success without putting in the effort. But, you know, that's human nature. Of course, 100%. Also, Christian, in, uh, if you could, <laughs> this is a good one, if you could legalize one weird color for a gi for competitions, is there only allowed to wear white, blue, or black? Oh, I see that in your face, man. Uh, what color would it be? Mind you, no tie-dye, just single solitary color like pink, orange, or yellow or something like that. What would you pick? And the reason why I'm laughing because I'm like very, very de-racist. I don't think <laughs> wear black. And then if you're gonna not wear black, it's gotta be basically like blue or royal blue, or it's gotta be white. Like I am very anti-red. I'm very anti-yellow. I'm anti-green. I'm anti white top blue bottom i'm very anti that so if i could do anything i would legalize it you can only compete in a black gi because i don't think any other gi color works but i i hate oh. these are different color geese i'm just not into it oh man i don't think you'd like Sorry. if i came to your gym man all i have are weird colored geese i'd have to wear just my white one would, white gi that yeah, isn't ridiculous I, people i literally say to them like i've had students ask me and i'm like hey like no you can you can wear black white or blue and then I'm like, don't mismatch the tops and the bottoms. But like literally, like uh, if you come to my academy on a Monday night, 99% of the people are wearing black, you know? So um, but I don't force that on them. I just like, I usually only wear black. I very rarely wear white. But um, I mean, dude, I've never, I've never seen you in a blue gi ever. No, I hate blue. Uh, you'll never see me in a blue gi. I wore, I used to wear like a, a like a, like a, like a navy blue gi when I was sponsored by uh, like CTRL Industries way back in the day. Um, and I like competed in a few times, but I'm very, I prefer just to do black. I well, then again, that, that was navy. That's darkish blue on the cusp of black. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit of wiggle room. But like, uh, I fucking, okay, I used to hate blue geese. Okay, same thing. I was a white belt. I had a white belt. I hated geese because white and white, blue belts, hated blue on blue. Warm into blue geese now. You know, it's just, too bad there's no purple geese yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yet. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, what's it called? Um, Ah shit, oh, man. Uh, in your humble, in your opinion, like, uh, say you could solve world hunger or cure cancer, which one of them would you choose? Oh man, probably world hunger. I, mean, I think it's a huge. It's probably a bigger aspect. I mean, obviously, cancer is definitely unfortunate too. But I think a lot of that's based upon like where you're at, what you're eating, what type of country you live in, and everything else like that. But I think world hunger is like a really big thing. It's experienced in a lot of different countries, so I would do that. If if I can't do both, I'll do hunger. Mm. And man, uh, last question: What what's what would you say is your jiu-jitsu spirit animal? What sort of animal encapsulates your whole game and the way you carry yourself in jiu-jitsu? I don't even know. Um, it would probably be some kind of magic character. It wouldn't be a regular um, animal. Um, 
I don't know. I think if it had to be a, if it had to be a regular animal, it probably would be some type of small shark. Some kind of small shark. All right. How about this? Um, do you play uh, the card game Yu-Gi-Oh? Right. No, but I know of it. Right? Yeah, one of the monsters. I, I saw a fake Yu-Gi-Oh card one time. There's a card called Man Eater Shark. It's it's like a shark that looks like a guy and has like big arms, like a SpongeBob character. And there was a fake card called Black Maneater Shark. It was just a, a fucking weird black shark with big ass biceps. Imagine I, that would be your spirit animal. Yes, that's, black Maneater Shark. It'd be small. It'd be small <laughs> stature, but that'd be 100% accurate. I'll send you the picture of it later, <laughs> Mr. Black Eater Shark. <laughs> that's a beauty too. That'd be perfect with that. That'd be weird. <laughs> okay, so guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. I'll have everything Christian related in the description below. And of course, his Instagram, all his all his courses and instructions, which to reiterate the point from earlier, you'd have to be an imbecile not to buy because why why wouldn't you want to get good at jiu-jitsu? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So Christian, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? Oh uh, no, I just want to say thanks. Appreciate being on here. Had to wait until episode one hundred to do it. Um it's been quite a bit of time to do that. But um no, it's I always enjoy hanging out with you and talking to you. Hopefully I can see you soon with this Corona pandemic road that now just, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me. I had a blast. Thank you. Oh man. I was just about to go through one episode without the C word coming up. God damn you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. So thanks for listening guys. Hope you enjoyed.